0: You're listening to the Perth Property Show. Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am.
1: Hello, Perth. Welcome to the Perth Property Show. Trent Fleskins here, your host as always. Welcome to the new year. We've got my favorite property man in Perth, Brendan Ptolemy, sticking around. What's going on, mate? It's 2020 and you're not on holidays. <laughs>
2: G'day, Trent. Uh, yeah, soaking up the summer sun. Someone's got to keep you. Economy going, mate. We've got to keep working. Okay, yeah. business yeah. open, right? People still need well, valuations. And interestingly, we don't shut, so we keep bank hours. So, because the banks are our biggest customers, oh. if they're open between Christmas and New Year, we're open.
1: So, no forced leave at H. Todd Harrington White.
2: No, H. W. doesn't have any forced leave, and uh, someone's got to be in de- on deck running the, the show. Um, obviously, volumes drop around, drop off massively through Christmas and New Year by about a half, often sometimes even more than that over the last few years, where we've had a really ordinary market, but um, we've still got valuers on the on the road every single day. Uh, the, the hard thing for us is that the less volume, the good old economies of scale argument, the less volume we have, the harder our job gets because the valuer has to travel further to do the next job. So it becomes actually more challenging. So if the part of the team have gone away for Christmas and they're all off having a good time, uh, the, the people left behind, uh, um, guys and girls uh, doing the, the valuations, is. have a harder job to do. So, you get mm. victimized if you don't go on leave. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Today, we're talking about off-the-plan purchases. Now, this could be apartments, unlikely, but it could be triple X villas townhouses. It could be anything. You can buy anything off the plan. I think we'll focus more on apartments is because there's been a flavor in the last couple of months with the McGowan government offering a fairly small olive branch to Riwa and you know, UDIA and the property council over their stamp duty reduction. We'll talk about that. But I just wanted to, I guess, flesh out the whole idea of off-the-plan purchases when it's a good idea, when it's not a good idea yep. and what it means to the purchaser and how you can maybe risk mitigate yourself when it comes to valuations yep. over that time.
2: Yeah, so I'll do the technical bit of valuations first up. So yep. we used to have a marketplace where the bank would get us to do a valuation as if complete and on apartments. So that we do that still for house and land packages. So if you're going to finance a house to be built on a block of land, doesn't matter where it is, we'll do an as if complete valuation, as in we're telling the bank what we think that house is going to be worth once it's finished, but as at the day that we're looking at it. So it's a little bit of imagination going on there. So we used to do the same thing for apartments and then one of the big banks realized that that was a really bad idea because you, essentially the value would roll up to a complex of 120 apartments and go, right, I'm, I'm trying to yeah, value the one on the, the top floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we, if we couldn't get on site, uh, which was happening more and more because of safety reasons and those kinds of things, then you just kind of didn't know what you're looking at. So thankfully a few years ago, those rules changed. So from a technical point of view, We're not going to go on site until the place is constructed and essentially it might be in those final finishing stage, a few tradesmen still around and we still have to get the hard hat on and that kind of stuff but generally floor coverings are going down, they're fixing up cabinetry and those kinds of things but most importantly... We can see how the thing's been built, how it's been finished, what you can see from the balcony, if it has a decent balcony, what the living areas look like, gets an idea of bedroom sizes, all those kinds of things that matter so much in an apartment valuation and get a, used to what the product looks like. You know, I even see those common area facilities and that kind of stuff. So that's how the process works, just to give everyone that background.
1: That's when people need the valuation though, because that's when they're going for finance. Exactly. When you put yep. your deposit down two years or three years earlier off the plan, your 10% or whatever the builder needs at the time with their bank, you don't need to put a finance application at that point. It's only when you're getting close to it being completed and the title's being issued. Yeah, yeah,
2: spot on. So the lead on from that is um, let's think about why we do that. Why do we go and do the valuation when when the apartment's actually being constructed? And that's because we can obviously touch it, feel it, hear it, get through the actual product and see what someone's bought and do a proper valuation on it. Well,
1: there's a big difference between putting a valuation down when the sod hasn't been turned and then two years later or whenever it is, yep. the market could be anywhere, especially the apartment market.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so then I lead on to if a value is doing that from our professional angle to get your answer as to what the valuation of that apartment is or what we think it's worth, then potentially that's uh, what purchasers should be doing as well because uh, I certainly wouldn't buy a property, wouldn't buy a car, wouldn't buy that many things even with online shopping these days, right. without touching and feeling it and hearing it as well. Yeah. So, are you
1: not a fan of Off The Plan?
2: I struggle with it, Trent. I'm sorry to say to um, all of our developers out there. No, there's, look, there's some tell good- us
1: why. Look, I also struggle with the idea of Off The Plan, but I've seen enough people get a bit lucky or this could even be their strategy, to be frank, yeah. where they're... Let's go back to 2012. You're buying an apartment in central... Part of town, maybe a uh, leadable, something like that. Off the plan, put your ten grand down or your thirty grand down, whatever the builder asked for at the time, and that's all you have to put down. You don't have to have a job. Yep. You don't have to have finance. Yep. And then a year and a half later, the market's gone up over the 2013, 2014. The place is worth 40, 50 grand more, maybe, than you've paid. This is the you know this is what you're planning for. Yep. Then you've paid for it, and then you sell it on day one straight away. You've made 50 grand. Yeah. That's, yep. like, that's that's sort of why a lot of people buy off the plan.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, completely understand that. Uh, there's obviously a, a risk reward scenario going you're on. You're picking there.
1: the market, you're putting a long on the market yep. via an off the plan purchase.
2: Yeah. And so, what we've unfortunately seen in our marketplace is the opportunity to do that is dissipated massively in because Perth, we've been sure. going backwards yeah. in, in general property values. So, what we've been struggling with from a valuation point of view is off-the-plan sales numbers being higher than the resale numbers of existing apartments within a locality. How do you again, deal with that? So, again, to get to some technical parts of doing valuation. Um, yeah. So, what we have to do by our instructions from the bank, we have something called the ABFI, the Australian Banking Finance Industry Standing Instructions. Same for all of the banks. We have to insert sales and new sales outside of the subject complex. So, we can have consideration for the sales within the complex But in terms of actually finalizing our valuation, we have to have regard for sales outside of the complex. So if you're in the brand new complex and there's two slightly older complexes next door, and they're bombing in yeah. terms of numbers going down. Because then, of
1: your apartment building as an option.
2: Yep. And so, we're going to go and have a look at the sales in those buildings and use those to to give us a flavor of what the market's doing in that location.
1: What happens if your VAL comes in 10% lower than what the off-the-plan purchaser has paid for it?
2: Well, it's been a really common theme all the way through 2019. It's probably going to continue into 2020, I expect. Uh, so, essentially, we report back to the bank and say, look, we know there's a contract here. But we think it's going to resell at this price and the valuations at, at this number. And then obviously it's up to the bank to deal with things after that.
1: Yeah. What I recognize, uh, I live in an apartment building that I believe was mainly funded by Chinese money at the time, 2015 maybe. Most of these apartments, the buyers paid $650,000 for these two by twos in Northbridge at the time. Yep. It took three years to build. Yep. By the time this was completed, they couldn't sell them for 500 grand. Now, I would also believe that you guys would have valued them at about 500 grand. So when these uh, investors who aren't paying cash, which would have been some of them or a lot of them, didn't have the 80% because right now the, the bank goes to you, you say it's worth 500K and they say, well, we've paid 650 for it. Yep. The bank comes to the, the buyers and say, well, we need another 150, 180 grand to get you back down to 80, 90%. Yep. And they say, well, we don't have that in cash. We've only got enough to get the 650 for starters yep. uh, at 20%. So it falls apart. They yep. lose their deposit. The buyer, the builder has to go and find another buyer and then it's just a cycle, isn't it? So it's, yep. it's a whirlpool down of trying to find more and more buyers for so these things that are worth less and less and then that's how builders go broke.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, that's that worst case scenario. We have seen some situations where the developer has gone back to the people that they have a contract with and said, look, we think that the market corrected in between when you poured off the plan and now. We're happy to talk to you about whether we discount this slightly to, to make sure you can get your finance get organized and, yeah. and get the, you know, you, you said you want to live here or you want to invest in that complex. We think you're still interested. Let's not lose you as a customer. Let's try and facilitate you into the place. Yeah. There you yep. go. It's a good outcome. Yeah.
1: Yep. Okay. So... Off the plan is a good idea when there's FOMO, when you believe that you're going to miss out or you can't get into that apartment that's being sold today. Yeah, uh, you think you're going to get a discount by paying now and, and in two years' time, it'll be worth more and you won't be able to get in, right? Yeah.
2: So, uh, there are a few things to look out for here. I think Off The Plan's a really good idea for potentially downsizers. I think it's a great way for them to transition their property. They might be fit, sitting on their big block of land with their house that requires maintenance. They're sick of gardening. An Off The Plan purchase, which they, they let's all be frank, they might end up paying a little bit too much for, but that's okay because they get their choice they can so, choose the interiors half
1: the time exactly
2: so that, that's when you start ticking some boxes and say okay I want to be the north facing balcony looking into the trees over the park and if I don't say yes on that particular apartment on on that third or fourth or fifth or tenth floor of that apart- complex I'm going to miss out there's only five of them i got to go and commit now I don't want
1: to wait till auction in two years yep
2: And so you are then securing your future. You've got two years of construction for your change management to kick in. Mm -hmm. You're sitting around home going, right, I am moving over there. Uh, Let's start decluttering. Let's think about a strategy to sell my house. I'm okay to finance the apartment. I've now chosen the complex I want to live in and I've chosen the correct apartment within that complex. So that makes a lot of sense to us. It's a great way to transition. The other, other thing is just Complexes as a whole, not just the individual apartment within the complex. So there may be a complex that's got views or it's on the river or it's on a park or it's the complex within an area. And you think that's where I want to be. I've always uh, looked at, at the west end of Frio there and thought I wouldn't mind retiring down that way. And, oh, really? and you know, there's not that many apartment complexes down there. So if something came up uh, into the future and you'd say, okay, hang on, there's not a lot of stock around here. Some of it's quite old, and if there's a new complex, maybe I better go put my hard earned down to go and live in the new apartment that's being built. That might happen with infill happening in Perth with Directions 2031. That's going to happen through places like Nedlands. It's going to happen through Vic Park into Mount Lawley, Mount Hawthorne, Leadable, yeah, Frio, Maylands, all of those kinds of areas. It's happened a lot in Claremont. Claremont on the Park's a great example of do I want to be overlooking the park or if. The Oval? It- yeah over the oval watch the footy those kinds of things and north facing in some of those instances or what we found doing some of the avails in there do I want to be out the back on the train line side because I can get a glimpse over the treetops of Claremont and even down into the river as well so Mm. there's a different view to be had there so those are all things that people need to consider when they go to to look and and buy off the plan I know a a really prominent infill complex in in Subiaco being promoted by Blackburns it's really interesting to Mm. one Subiaco yeah one Subiaco so it's just really interesting to see that early marketing there because they, they've probably got one of the biggest complexes going to be constructed ever in Subiaco. It's probably going to have some of the best finishes. As it looks a result. pretty sexy. The, the marketing looks amazing. It has to
1: be though, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. The cool th- I think that I appreciate about Blackburn and how they go about their developments is they're not just pumping out apartments. Yep. They're not just pumping out inner city crap. They're really focused on providing a lifestyle option yep. for people who have the money. But don't necessarily need to make that choice. They want to make that yeah. choice because it's not just the pool and the gym with the with the running machine, the treadmill. There, yep. there's so many more reasons. It's the markets they've yeah, integrated yeah. and all these things. That you go, wow, this is actually a pretty nice place to live.
2: Yeah, and we've seen some of their products more recently. They've just done one in, in Claremont as well. But um, really, the point there is you're you're buying a brand, so it's similar. You're trusting to, the brand. Yep, yeah, you're buying like you're going to buy your German car or your Australian car or your Korean car or your Japanese car. So if you're out there looking, that might be another reason why you'd buy off the plan because you followed that developer. You might have liked their product in a different location. That's not where you wanted to live. And you might go, okay, now they're building something in a location I like. I'm going to go and buy that off the plan because I've got the choice now. Yeah,
1: yeah, and those are the risk mitigants of buying off the plan. Is yep. Especially when you can follow a brand and trust the quality, trust the maintenance. You might have a friend who maybe bought into the last one and they were well looked after on the back end. Yep, These are the things you want, especially if you're a downsizer. You don't want to be stuffing around with poor developers who are yep. pumping out stuff and, and they never then you never see them again.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so we talked a bit about downsizers. It's certainly not a bad option for um, first home buyers as well. Why? But, but I would say that they should be buying established because uh, I think that they should be going to look for the cheapest look thing that value. they can a, a afford essentially. So my theory is that out of all of these complexes there will be leftover one bedroom, one bathroom, two bedroom, one bathroom, two bedroom, two bathroom scenarios where they can come through and say, look, They've sold the other 10. Yeah. There's one left. I'm them. going to come in here and try and victimize the the developer and get a discount. Negotiate. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So
1: yep. when does Off the Plan not work? For me, my answer would be in a market like this, in general, again, I find it hard. Anyone who really wants to sell as a strategy off the plan, which is the paradox of the way that banks lend, because they want to see you know, look at the big four. They want hundred and twenty percent of the debt pre-sold, yeah, which yeah. is ridiculous, right? Yeah. That's why nothing's getting off the ground unless it's cash. Yeah, uh, in terms of these these apartment buildings. So think about that. If you got a seventy percent loan, hundred and twenty percent of that. So, 84% of the value of the apartments, 84% of the apartments have to be pre-sold. Good luck, right? Yeah, yeah. So, that's why so many of these aren't getting off the ground and only a few of them in those really well-off suburbs like Mount Pleasant, Applecross, Claremont are actually getting off the ground because there's money there and there's the preference to move in because it's high quality. Yeah. The point I'm making is in a market where there's so much supply, so much option, people aren't that interested or fearful to have to buy an idea. Yep. they would rather put their money and possibly even more money into buying something they know they can feel in touch that they'll get now.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it is really interesting to um to look at that motivation. One of the things that we have uh, touched on it just with some keywords, but look, touch, feel and hear what's going on with the apartment. So that that's why we don't like off the plan. We've seen some situations where uh, for example, the view isn't exactly what you thought it was going to be and I think if we cut it down it's really simplistic so someone designs the complex everyone thinks they know what they're going to be looking at
1: we're all getting the penthouse for you yeah
2: <laughs> but even the developer can't tell you what the view is from every single balcony and every single lounge room in that complex so there are unfortunately going to be some apartments that aren't priced the way they should be so you go through all the one bedroom apartments in the same stack on the same side of the building And some of them might be looking straight at neighbours or straight at a a pole or a tree or a light post or the, the power lines yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah. the case might be. So that's why we're always hesitant to say, yep, yeah, go and buy that off the plan because you you just don't know what you're going to be able to see at the end. The other thing, um, having grown up in Perth and lived in houses all my life, the other thing that I've found interesting is just sound. We seem to have a pretty noisy city, I think. We've got plenty of people with Some loud scooters. motorbikes yeah. and loud cars and trucks and plenty of flights going overhead, all those kinds of things every single morning. So just have a think about that in terms of where you're located within the complex. I'm not a sound engineer. I don't know how these things work, but I have been surprised in different complexes to understand how sound gets caught on the underside of the balcony and reflects back into the house some of the the ones I've seen the pleasant ones I've been down in Dawesville in the past and sat there with the, the big bifold doors open on the balcony and you've got the waves on the the Dawesville cut washing up on the shore and it was really loud and they were really reflecting back up into the, to the apartment and then reflecting off the underside of the balcony into the apartment so it should have been a pleasant sound but after a while I was kind of standing there going gee that's really quite yeah, loud like loud now. enough to be over your TV kind of thing and then just same for For traffic noise and those kinds of things you know if you're close to a freeway type location that noise does echo all over the place and you'd want to know whether that's going to to be the case in your apartment there's been a a few cases i think through east perth with the the train uh, marshalling yards over there where i think some of those apartments people were really surprised about how much noise was coming up and affecting them within their dwelling so it's just another factor to think about
1: let's talk about that mcgowan stamp duty yeah concession we'll call it I guess that came out uh, a couple of months ago Yep, very smart the rewa udia property council conglomerate there were agitating for a few weeks there remember back in october ish time government was copping it from a few directions and they you know they came out with the olive branch yep interesting thing for me i'm neither here nor against the labor party in wa i think there's some pros and cons about what they're doing not really slanted that way but they've provided a concession on something they've actually not been getting any money for up until now anyway. So, it's not like they're missing out on anything. Yeah. No one's doing off the plan builds right now. No, not that many. Yeah. So, it's not like the government's going, oh, we're going to lose another, this amount of money from last year's budget because it's just not happening, right? Yeah, yeah. So, what this really does affect the most, I think, is the construction industry. Yep. It's creating jobs because hopefully it's another avenue for allowing another incentive to get some more pre-sales, to get some of these projects that have been sitting there dormant, waiting for finance to maybe get off the ground. Yep. What I'm nervous about though, is that it would be at the expense of a lot of apartments that are just being finished.
2: Yeah. So, a couple of things to remember here. So, if the complex has started, even if they've started Earthworks, it's not a, no longer an off-the-plan sale in mm-hmm. the definition of how this scheme works. So, it literally has to be something that starts getting marketed tomorrow um, without any works having, having started. So, that's a really difficult thing. There's not that many complexes around Perth that could put their hands up and say, hey, we've got an approval sitting here, yeah. but we haven't started work. Yep. Uh, there's a few developers, um, a couple that I've talked to, that are really unhappy about the, the situation because they've actually started some earthworks in preparation for building something in the future, and they know that they are now not classed as being off the plan. So that's really interesting from that point of view. The other thing that it, it probably uh, consumers need to weigh up here is that discount that they're getting back in terms of the 75% off the, the stamp duty relief. Can they... Get the same type of discount if they go down the road and buy something that's established. So there's two thousand. Because 2000- there
1: are currently big discounts on the market. Yeah,
2: exactly. So two thousand six hundred existing apartments on the market. What's going to happen to those? Does the market sit back and say, "Hey, look, I'm only going to buy off the plan because of that stamp duty discount"? And we know it's a good headline, and we know that people will people act will that way. Absolutely, yeah. but maybe just think that small little counter cyclical thought there, and go, "Well, hang on." that complex that's just started or it's nearly finished or has just been finished are now going to be that little bit more desperate for buyers. So it, they may reprice and now might be the time to go and buy that product that I can touch, feel, and hear as well.
1: Any projects I think that are getting off the ground now, they clearly have to be backed by, I would say, some pretty good money, yep. it's pretty good developers who have stuck around, haven't fallen over in the last few years. Probably getting a pretty good product.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And interestingly, not that many of them would be pulling money from the Big Four because the Big Four just don't They're really want it. Take it's coming that from risk. somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. So, if not internally. Yeah. So they've either got their own internal finance, they've got some private funding happening, probably got a little bit of international money there, and probably some corporate bank. Might be Big Four. Might be offshore big bank. But yeah, they'll have obviously if they've got this far, they've got their funding models sorted out. Yeah.
1: Brendan, good chat on offer plans It'd be interesting to see what's what it's looking like by the end of the year as to how many new developments are actually getting off the ground not just because of this but because the banks want to start playing ball a bit more and because general population is starting to demand that yep. product
2: yeah and a lot more infill to come because that's what the government have said uh, to to developers they've said to planners this is what we want so people should probably sit back and have a look at that. There's probably an opportunity to think about buying an apartment in a near-city location for a really good price as opposed to potentially building a brand new house in a in a suburb that's further away from Perth Central Business District and probably looking at lifestyle versus um, the traditional house and land package model.
1: It's all about walk score. Can you walk <laughs> to the shops? Can you walk to transport? Can you walk to the park?
2: Yep, absolutely. And that's it. Yep. Thanks, mate. Cheers.
1: Okay, suburb spotlight time. We are talking about the tiny south of the river suburb today, Canning Highway suburb, Alfred Cove. How many people out there listening today reckon they've driven through Alfred Cove, have got a mate who lives in Alfred Cove? How many people live in Alfred Cove? Uh, It would be good to know. We've got one person to talk to. That number one real estate agent is one of my favorite real estate agents to have come on the podcast. It is Michael Jennings, who is also number one in the surrounding next door neighbor suburb, Melville. Mike, thanks for coming in again.
0: Thanks, Trent. Thanks. It's good to be back.
1: It'd be hard, I guess, to have a bit of a historical chat about Alfred Cove in its individuality because I guess for a lot of people this suburb is so small it'd be hard to really pinpoint its origins and what it means to people what its background is it's it's a tiny suburb isn't it?
0: It is a small suburb yeah compared to the the surrounding ones certainly it obviously borders four different suburbs and all of them are, are a lot bigger. Uh,
1: Tell us about them which ones are they?
0: Well it borders onto Melville, uh, Myrie, Adderdale and and also Ardross. It kind of is uh, sandwiched in and also a section of Buragoon, so perhaps we'll call that five. So it's, I guess that's a, a feature of it. it. It is small.
1: It's it, the Belgium of Canning Highway. It is the Belgium, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, it is. So it, I guess in terms of finding its essence and its characteristics, it maybe is a little bit harder than, than the surrounding ones to do that.
1: I have had to Google Wikipedia Alfred Cove personally to try and learn a little bit of history as to why it's called Alfred Cove. I don't know how many people would know this man, but it's named after Alfred Whalen, who was essentially alive in the the 1800s. He was a pioneer settler who had Swan Location 74, which now is pretty much present-day Alfred Cove and Myrie. So he owned Alfred Cove and Myrie back in the 1800s
0: there you go i'm glad you did your research yeah
1: uh so good on you alfred whalen and uh we salute you with your cove and your suburb name but let's talk a bit about the lifestyle of people who live in alfred cove why have they chosen alfred cove compared to your surrounding suburbs what's the what's the point why would we live here
0: well i think if you look at it from the start geographically there's really only canning highway and tompkins park that separates alfred cove from the river so without the price tag of, uh, of the riverside sections of Adderdale and Applecross and certainly East Frio and Bicton, it's probably as close as you're going to get to the river without having to uh, jump into that significantly higher price point. So thinking about the suburb and what it represents, for most buyers that I come across, they place great value on that. And whether it's walking, yes, you've got to walk across Canning Highway, but walking to a really, really beautiful, well-kept part of the Swan River.
1: When we're talking about price point there, Are we paying seven figures most of the time to get in or are there a number of buyers that you know for significant family homes where you could be under the mill right now i'm guessing back in the boom the answer would have been pretty straightforward yeah seven figures
0: yeah yeah yeah, definitely it's probably an area in terms of price it's hard to put a line through as we were speaking earlier the volume of sales is just so much lower than than the surrounding suburbs. If you look at the last 12 months, there's really only been a few that have tipped over that million-dollar mark, surprisingly, and most of them near new homes that really represent a growing family home. So it's really achievable to get into that area, median house price I'm sure we'll get onto, but compared to uh, the surrounding suburbs on the river, it's definitely achievable. Block sizes? Block sizes, it's a little bit more run-of-the-mill compared to Melville and Atterdale in particular. that have got a bit of a variety of, you know, four 400 square meter blocks, 600, 700, and then the, the, the typical quarter acre blocks. It's a little bit more of a grid system, especially the section that borders onto Melville. So you're either getting the thousand square meter block, which has got the old house on it, or you're getting the half of that. So it's definitely a little bit more consistent in that regard.
1: If you took away the suburb borders, would you consider Alfred Cove to be the premium estate of melville or is that a misnomer altogether it really is just a different part of County highway precinct
0: that's a really good point i think it could definitely be and and perhaps at one stage was included in that impression of the melville footprint and it's certainly closer to the river than all of melville is so i think you could definitely go down that path
1: does that mean that with regards to our buyer and seller mix we're seeing much more mature a mix of people in there bit older, got a bit more money, a bit more established, or are they more downsizers who are really similar to a Mount Pleasant, Ardross background?
0: It's definitely a more mature buyer on the whole than Melville, Myrie, I should say, and Palmyra. There are young families because the school catchments are similar to those. And we'll get onto that. There is a section of Alfred Cove that falls into the Applecross high school zone. But as a thumb rule, the, the buyers that I see buying through there are a little bit more mature than, than those in the Melville precinct.
1: Let's talk about schools. Let's talk about sports as well. But schools first, where are they going to school? Are they at primary school? There isn't an Alfred Cove primary school, is there?
0: No, that falls into the Melville primary school catchment. Some sections of it you can also get into the Burragoon primary catchment, both of which are really attractive primary schools. There's two reasonably close Catholic primary schools as well um, under the Malmaria banner. But primarily when it comes to a schooling draw, it is that second half of Alfred Cove that starts from North Lake Road and, and runs up the hill to Wireless Hill that falls into the Applecross High School zone. I do see out there a real divide in buyers that say, I want to buy an Alfred Cove, but I want to buy in the Applecross High School side of it. And that is also reflected in prices.
1: The house is just generally nicer as well? Not or necess- is it really just the amenity?
0: Most of the amenities. There's probably two or three streets that run up the hill towards Wireless Hill at the uh, the east end of Alfred Cove, and that typically you, know, you see a higher medium price. But that's reflected by the size and the quality of the builds, and they're built in that position, obviously because of the the views out of the city and the river. Yep. So in some sense, that little corner is quite different to the rest of the suburb.
1: Okay. So sporting teams, local footy clubs, we're talking about Adedale Bombers still. <laughs> What's the local?
0: Yeah, look, most of the recreation pl- takes place at Tompkins Park. There's only two other parks in Alfred Cove, and they're both tiny. And Tompkins Park is a... a- a really great public resource there so you've got amateur cricket you've got grade cricket there you've Got uh, Melville
1: Bowls across the uh, highway
0: Melville Bowls as well which is a, a fantastic spot that in itself has had a bit of toing and froing with the, the proposed wave park and
1: yeah isn't that is not that it a shame or is it a good thing that that never got off the ground what do you think local residents have thought about that
0: uh, it's definitely caused a, a huge stir amongst local residents and a lot of angst uh, particularly with the bowling club and I'll try and choose my words carefully here <laughs> my perspective is is probably reflective of of my age demographic and outlook to development I think it's a shame that some middle ground wasn't able to be found there although it may still get back on the agenda at some point it is such a resource there that we have on the river. and yeah. So I guess I'd probably lean towards it being in favour of some sort of project to get up and running there.
1: Is it currently a well-utilised precinct, that little part of town where the Bowls Club is, the park? Do you think that's why they wanted to put the Wave Park there because they thought they could do a bit more, get a bit more patronage down to that area? It's somewhere you see... So you tens of thousands of people drive past every day but how many people are actually pulling up in the car
0: oh very few there's a spectacular house that has christmas lights right on canning highway opposite uh, opposite the bowling club so that gets a lot of traffic at uh, this time of year but in in the scheme of the the land that's there and the space um i think it would be hard to argue that it's not grossly underused uh, the bowling club uh, obviously has a population that uses it. The sporting facility has one as well. But the land in front of the bowling club that, that meets the water, is, it's really a, it's an really empty It's really hidden, recess. isn't it? Yeah, it, it's an empty recess. I've never
1: been been there. And it's just because I probably look at it and go, look, you got the cricket club. You wa- we all watch cricket as we're sitting at the lights mm. on Canningham Highway. Mm. We've m- probably been to the bowls club for a function at some point in our life. But in front of that bowls club, where the parking is, and behind that, mm. it's, it's a very underused area that most of us would consider mm. off
0: limits. What a spot, though! I mean, if you, oh, if awesome if you can spot. picture how that area there could be created into something that's um, that's usable for the public, and you know, excuse my French, doesn't bastardize the wildlife and destroy the the natural habitats yeah. there, which was part of the resistance, but um, it's a, a, a huge space that they occasionally will have events down there. I've seen some sort of larger scale events that the Bowls Club have made, maybe leased the land out to, but a lot of red tape to get through, sadly.
1: Price points. I'm guessing there's not a massive variety of properties in this suburb. What are we paying to get into the suburb as a minimum?
0: Uh, as a minimum, if you look at villas and units, you're, you're probably in that sort of 430 to 450 mark for a, a three by one in a group. Um, Yes, there is some, uh, probably two or three blocks of apartments or flats built late 70s, early 80s that are on Canning Highway that you'd probably get into for high twos to low threes. Obviously got the issue of, of the traffic or perception of noise for some buyers. So the majority of the sales that you see at the entry point will be in that sort of 4.30 to 4.50, potentially a little bit more if it's been tarted up. Moving up from there, there's a smattering of three by one, similar to Melville where you've got that sort of mid five, entry point for a front started home with a a property out the back i'd say that the entry point options in alfred cove are probably a little bit stiffer than those around A big gap yeah yeah there is a big gap
1: most people who'll be going to alfred cove though who are targeting that suburb they're really there for the premium family lifestyle aren't they they're probably paying seven figures
0: yeah yeah they probably are yeah look I, I think when you look at what's transacted in that sort of 800 to, to a mill mark in the last 12 months that that's probably been the the sweet spot for most buyers that, that can't get to that mill plus mark
1: they've probably been value buyers i think if we look a couple of years from now we look back at those people who were able to buy below a mill in this suburb for those big quarter acre blocks especially you think geez you've done well
0: yeah and do you know what? There's actually very few of those quarter acre blocks that go to market in Alfred Cove. When you look at the surrounding suburbs, they're, just, they're held. There's a, a few that are quite derelict looking from the front, but I'm sure they're being held in a family trust somewhere. But there's just a, a real lack of those that come to market.
1: Well, let's talk about volume for a second. How many properties are transacting as a round number? per year in Alfred Cove. Can we compare that to maybe a Melville?
0: The last 12 months, uh, I think there was 39 sales within Alfred Cove and you compare that to high 80s in Melville, which for Melville is, is low. So you've got half the volume of transactions, which is obviously reflected by it being effectively half the size of Melville with you know, approximately 1,500 homes in the area. So that's a pretty s- sort of consistent number of sales that takes place within Alfred Cove
1: premium houses. Can we get into the higher ones, low twos in Alfred Cove or, or are we really looking to get north of the highway if we're going to pay that?
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty uncharted territory on the whole for Alfred Cove in the last two or three years. Most of the higher figures have been fetched on the River Outlook streets, uh, areas like Dony Street and up the hill on George Street just sold a property on there which is that little quadrant which we re- referred to being close to Wireless Hill. So that price point really at the moment is sealing out at of that one four mark
1: yeah so we're just not getting there no we're going at it out we're going to apple cross correct okay subdivision opportunities can't imagine there's a lot here when i have a look and i do look through alpha Cove for opportunities especially recently really the only opportunity that i see would be a possibly a corner lot or a side by side on those quarter acres have you seen anything else going on in Alfred Cove other than that?
0: No, look, it's it's pretty run-of-the-mill from a subdivision perspective. Most of them are the, just the side-by-side knockover old house on 1,000 square metres. We did see a few properties slightly more aggressively zoned when the, the old Strikers uh, rec centre was revamped and the Opal Retirement Facility went up on Kitchener Road and that did coincide with some sections of, of that artery and also canning highway being rezoned but they haven't been developed into multi-unit sites at the moment so from a subdivision perspective at the moment it's pretty much yeah you 900 to a thousand square meter down the middle type subdivision
1: makes it pretty hard to make any money for a concept like that if you're going into alfred cove to make money off a of development especially when a lot of those houses still pretty good quality. Yeah,
0: I think in terms of money-making and looking at Alfred Cove, you're really looking at the long-term hold of banking, something that's close enough to Canning Highway that the noise isn't an impediment, but also, you know, walking distance to the river.
1: Given its proximity to that intersection with North Lake Road and the mixed commercial on that intersection... Do you think that at any point there would be a canning highway precinct number two with the city of melville or do you think given the demographics of alfred cove that would be highly resisted
0: i think it's inevitable Uh, i think the resistance around the the wave park was indicative of any suburb that has an older underbelly but i think it's inevitable i went to the cricket on sunday night and plowing up canning highway and talking to a family member about how wonderful it would be if we had a train line up canning highway and when you look at the amount of traffic that goes up and down from Fremantle or maybe not quite to Fremantle but up to the city that is one of Perth's, in my view one of perth's busiest arteries that has to be continually looked at
1: very under-serviced
0: hugely from a public transport perspective hugely yeah you've got a you know a, a couple of bus lines that run up there but when you look at how populated that section is I'm sure that that section along North Lake Road where there's already commercial premises will will be one that's earmarked and we've seen a similar thing happen obviously in Applecross and Mount Pleasant it's, it's pretty predictable I think
1: median house price this is our last question for the day. What is it?
0: Uh, sitting at the moment at 801,000. So, why that- is
1: that? We've spoken all day about seven figures in this suburb and where that belongs. 800 makes me think that there are opportunities at the six, $700,000 mark, and there aren't really that many when I look.
0: Well, there's not many, but I think that's reflective of the volume of sales. So, you know, for example, in the last year, we've sold a few rear three by twos in Alfred Cove in that low to mid sixes mark. So there is the opportunities that come up in that price point, but they're just few and far between. And the volume of sales, you know, when we mentioned 30, 39 sales going through only a handful of those are over the million dollar mark. So the cluster is between that 800 to a million dollar mark. Right, uh, at the moment. At yep. the moment, yeah. For a family home that's, yeah, it's not brand new and it's not perhaps got 300 square meters of living and doesn't have views to the river, but is on 450 square meters and, and isn't a doomy upper
1: Right for the upgrade, it seems. We had Jenny Gouchy on Talking Bateman and I see similarities there in terms of the land size, the property age, but also the price point where very easily you could see people coming in and turning those eight $900,000 quarter acre blocks into two... 1.1 $1. $1 million dollar 500 square meter two two story houses and that lifestyle that price point being very reflective of each other
0: yeah absolutely yeah i'm a little bit biased i think that Africa's probably got a little bit more from a an amenities and lifestyle perspective than the the suburbs that sit further in but from an age of home perspective and an opportunity perspective it would be very similar
1: michael thank you very much for coming in chatting your second suburb it's up to you now to get your third sober. I look forward to hearing about Myree and just really continuing to push up that highway. It's a really important strategic point, I think, in Perth's next cycle. I think of all the precincts in Perth, it will be that Canning Highway precinct and the Stirling Highway precinct that see the first growth and the biggest growth in our next cycle. So you're in the right spot, it seems.
0: Thanks for having me again, Trend. Thanks,
1: mate. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show.